You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Roth, welcome back to Foundation Radio, sir. Great to see you. How are we doing today? It's good, man. I feel uh, I feel nice. I mean, specifically with the with the weather, man. We're lucking out. This little this little early fall weather is moving in, so I'm I'm cozy. Yeah, you know what? It's nice out here in Pittsburgh. I'm only going to be here for another couple of days, which is fantastic. I'll be back in uh, Philadelphia probably by the 15th or the 16th. But man. I can't complain out here right now, but I know you guys got hammered pretty hard out there a couple days ago, right? Did you yeah, have any we issues? Did. It was pretty epic. No, um, we uh, we're obviously in North Philly a little bit or so away from the Schuylkill, et cetera. So, um, but the footage is crazy. I didn't head down that way, obviously, because that probably would have put me in a little bit of a predicament. Yeah, so I, I stayed out of the mix a little bit, but the fo- the footage is crazy. I mean, a lot of the stuff, same, you know. Where my family's from, we're not too far from the Delaware River and, and Yardley area, the canal path that gets flooded often. Uh, well, not often, but with, when situations like this happen. So, yeah, people had some issues. So, uh, uh, you know, safety first, obviously. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been following on Twitter, watching people swim in the uh, the 676 canal. And I'm just like, of, of course, like, first of all, it's of, it's like uniquely Philadelphia, right? Like only us in Philly would do shit like that. But also, too, I'm like, God, that's disgusting. <laughs> disgusting why would you do something so terrible i try to explain to people out here how gnarly that is it's just it's just horrible but just a bunch of river goop <laughs> oh my god man it's just like i'm like I, I start to gag when i think about it but um i really appreciate you stopping by man and chatting about uh about the new record and i want to talk to you a little bit but i guess the first place to start would be um i guess discord yeah it was something that we actually started Together, back in the beginning of the pandemic, you and I were supposed to meet for our second interview together, our second conversation, and then obviously the world shut down. During that time, I discovered this app called Discord, which my team and I had been recording with, and then I introduced that to you for our conversation. Mm -hmm. And then what led you to start to use that more? Like what interests you, what piqued your interest about about the the app itself? So this, I, I think this happens a lot in social media and tech introduction, right? Someone talks about it maybe in the early going. It's not like the time and place. Then it pops up again, and then it pops up again. You know, I remember it happening with Twitter, too. Uh, I didn't really, and some people still don't understand Twitter. You know, my, my dad, for instance, my buddy, uh, a few of my buddies are just like, I, I don't get it. I'll never have it. It's not important to me. <laughs> and even for me, initially, it was just like, okay, a text message, whatever. But Discord, 
I remember, you know, you, you kind of mentioning it and, and we were able to do a conversation over, it, but I still didn't really understand what it was. And then a couple of the conversations of friends being like, you know, uh, what about discord? It was always, what about discord? And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't really know if there's a specific instance, but, and uh, it's kind of like my creative process in general, it's just kind of like this, like flash of inspiration and then you jump all the way in. And so I think the initial kind of, um, jump in was maybe around the conversation around fantasy football and, and betting and sports betting. Um, and then, you know, the, the Twitch incorporation and all this stuff. And my buddy just wanted me to play games and really just, <clears throat> excuse me, tinkering with this um, um, more digital era technology rather than just analog text-based stuff, you know, uh, video components and all of these things. And, you know, after our conversation around Discord and seeing how clear the audio was from our initial discussion on Foundation Radio, it just led to a little bit more tinkering. And ultimately I was able to find the way that I wanted to use it. And obviously there's different ways for people to use their, their own technology. But for me, I was like, this is how I want to use it. This makes sense to me. And it ultimately became a huge tool for us to create an album. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. I'm not sure I've ever really heard of a of a situation like this before. And I guess for me too, like Discord kind of was like it was the uh, it was bred from necessity. You know, mm-hmm. we're doing our show, we're recording together, and then all of a sudden we can't be around each other anymore. It's like, well, how are we going to continue to produce content in a meaningful way where we can all be together? And you're right, Discord allowed us to have that flexibility, not just with the audio portion, but video, and it also became this sort of like. It had like its own tentacles, you know, like it just started to spread out. We were able to do all these different things, um, you know, media wise. But I remember you sending me a message on Discord asking me about some different features that were going. And then it felt like almost overnight the retro hash server kind of like exploded. Right. Like where was I? I'd love to talk a little bit more about that aspect of this. And before we get into the album, like what was your first like tinkering with it? And then how fast did it did it grow from like the initial genesis of it? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I work, right? In in these waves of inspiration. And so um, you can see it sometimes with my output. Uh, I know that some people would be bummed out with me because it would take some time for me to put things out for various different reasons. But uh, a lot of the time I have to work with what's going on. So same thing with this tech was when I did jump in with Discord, I didn't want to overthink it. I didn't want to think about what could go wrong. And so even that initial tweet that I sent out was, hey, uh, excuse me, January 16th, 2001. Hey, I want to create this album with fan friend submissions. You know, if you're interested, guest versus as well, uh, let's let's start the conversation. And that's kind of what it was, man, was just like, this server is as much mine as it is a lot of the other people that helped start it. And even starting the conversation around Discord and having a Discord link, there was a handful of people that hit me up and were like, yo, this is so cool. I'm so happy you're doing this. I've been on Discord since 2018. Like, if you need any help, let me know. And so I think that's what also helped move it fast was that there was a, a, a group of people working together towards, towards a common goal. And so, um, a lot of fun. Obviously, Discord is is kind of new to the mainstream as well. I mean, even if you see their commercials with Danny DeVito, um, 
you know, they're explaining to Danny DeVito, imagine a place. And they're like, so do you get it yet? And he's just like, no, (laughs) which, which I think is great because that's kind of what it is, but it's just organized for me. Obviously it's a lot for a lot of people, but for me, uh, everything that I have going on in my brain, I'm allowed to just put that over there on the left-hand side here and I can compartmentalize and we just zap into these different rooms and talk about it, whether it's betting on Irish or Irish horses or whether we're creating an album, it's all in one place. And so, yeah, I think the reason why it it kind of happened overnight was because there was a lot of other people invested in the idea of helping bring it to life. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's incredible. You've created quite a community there. I mean, the, the different sections and subsections that are inside of that discord server is it's incredible. Like I just, I don't even know if I have enough time to flip through as much as I'd like to, but I know there's just like, there's just so much going on in there. And it's really cool to see that you've created, like, like I said, the best way to call it is like a community of people, right? Like-minded folks who are like us, who want to talk about different things and have a bunch of different interests. But I just I'm not sure if I can recall some another record that is sort of like almost I don't want to say crowdsourced, but it was like a community project. Right. Yeah. Tell me about the idea. When did you first have the idea to do like Greenhouse Effect Volume three as a like crowdsourced or group project? Was that something that you had had initially with the idea of Discord or was that something that just kind of came organically as this became uh, more of a reality? It was an organic idea for sure. Um and as you know, our reality and our new reality started to seep in. So, you know, I guess Greenhouse Effect Volume Two, maybe that was 2014. And so I knew after that that I wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to create a Greenhouse Effect Volume Three, just as far as trilogies go, you know. And who knows where it'll go from here? But it always felt like one and two, there needed to be a third, right? Right. And you know, as life goes on and different things happen and, you know, I moved back to Philadelphia and all of these things were going on just in real life. It, it, it was definitely a timing thing. So I knew that I had reached a space in my world. Obviously I come into the music industry and streaming isn't even a thing. Right. And now today's music industry, it's all streaming. And so just the adaptation, as far as the mixtape is concerned, where the mixtape fits into you know, the conversation, right? And so me rapping over industry beats for basically promotional use only, um, not really sure where that fit into, it would have just been me styling and letting people know that I can rap, which is like, okay, you know, which is fun, don't get me wrong, you know, you go to the gym basically. But ultimately, you know, I, I wanted to figure out a way to make Greenhouse Effect Volume 3 a little bit more productive. And I think, you know, it it was obviously January with the tweet as, as a receipt, but um, a little bit before that, probably around December, before I just dove right in, was like, I think this could be really cool if we got other people involved. And it really stems to the fact that there's just so much talent out there, man. Yeah. There's, there's so many artists and producers, specifically right now, I think the music business is kind of like anyone can do it for better or for worse, but it, it has allowed a lot of people the technology and the tools to create at home. And I wanted to empower that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not really an album. It's not so much a mixtape. It is like this social studies project of collaborating with people from really all over the world. I mean, the narrators from Ireland, uh, one of the first artists we hear, he's living in Montreal, um, Buffalo, Boston, Salt Lake City, somebody from St. Louis living in Dallas. And to your point early on about Discord and, and the technology of allowing us all to connect in one place, we were able to do that. 
<clears throat> and so, yeah, man, I mean, the idea kind of just spurned for, from what was going on, like what was happening. Here are all these moving pieces happening in the world right now. Here are some, here's some technology available to you. Uh, okay, let's use this and let's try this. And I'm telling you, just like almost all the streams fell on holidays. During the listening session, during the police um, element, this cop car goes whizzing by during the listening party. And everyone's like, did you plan that? I'm like, no. But it was just <laughs> one of those things where this was just such a special project top to bottom. After the listening party, to me, that was really all that mattered. I, I, This isn't about critical review. It's not about billboard placements having a single I don't even <clears throat> I don't even think there's a standalone track on this record. It's not like here's the single. Right. So it's un unconventional in so many ways, so unique, so fun. And, you know, as I get older, obviously, and you're a parent, like, you know, this like your joy. Some of your happiest moments are your children's or other people's joy. Right. And so for me, that, that was a big growth moment for me. And this project was just this project brought me so much joy because it brought other people joy. And that that's the you know, that's the punctuation on this project. It's not it's not something that I'm like, I need to sell this and do this and, and get this billboard slot. And just yeah. I'm just happy as a clam, bro. Foundation Radio is brought to you by 10th Ward Barbershop. Serving the historic 10th Ward in downtown Lawrenceville, 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. Adam gets his hair and beard trimmed by the owner of the shop, Ryan Kane, and he loves the laser point precision cuts and lineup he provides to him and countless other satisfied customers. But you don't have to take Adam's word for it. WWE superstars Corey Graves and the fiend Bray Wyatt frequent 10th Ward for all their hair and beard trimming needs. Right now, all cuts and trims are by appointment only so head over to their website at 10thwardbarbershop.com and book your appointment now with kane jordan and the rest of the team at 10th ward barbershop that's 10thward barbershop.com and we thank them for supporting the podcast and you know what i can tell asher when you're talking about it i can see the happiness and i can see the excitement about the project and i, I wanted to kind of touch upon a couple of things that you had said too as, as far as like the availability of, of of musicians and and creators and collaborators i know we've sort of talked about that before but i think back when you were saying that i, I was thinking back to the time when you became you know when you first initially got signed right and how mm -hmm. that happened for you and it was a myspace thing and it just mm -hmm. sort of happened it sort of snowballed on top of itself and it, not to say that you didn't work hard but you know what i mean like the, all the pieces is sort of fit, fit together and like everything just clicked now you can go on soundcloud and you could your song could play after a kanye west record and all of a sudden you're getting six or seven record deals you know mm. and it's an incredible sort of explosion yeah of creativity and of the availability of people and that's not to say that everything is great but most of it is pretty good and how many of these folks may not have had the ability to go onto myspace or even back in the 90s have a connection with somebody to drop a tape to a dj you know i mean right. what if big was not in the same room as you know puffy didn't find him on the street corner or you know or sure. pun didn't give that tape to joe it's um it's an incredible experience and to watch this sort of grow and evolve it's it's been really exciting um i uh i really enjoyed listening to the record it feels a lot like it's it's a story right mm -hmm. like it's a narrative there's a it's a concept to it mm -hmm. and i wanted to sort of pull that apart a little bit did you when you were collecting all of this information and all the verses and all the beats did you have an idea of where you wanted to go or was it again more of a, a creative collaborative where it's all right let's tell this story instead of just doing a bunch of rap records together uh, i did not have any you know uh expectations really or even uh narrative going into it so i started out i knew that like you know 
if you, I think we had removed it by now, but the info was about a dystopian future. Right. And a, a lot of the, um, a lot of the inspiration going into it at, uh, once the inspiration hit was like Prince Paul, Prince Among Thieves and, uh, Deltron 3030. And some of these projects that, uh, had characters and narratives. Um, but I'm not sure how much of my audience was familiar with that stuff. So, um, I, I strayed away from the references for a little bit because I noticed that maybe one or two weeks that I did references, the outcome um, were just sounded like the references, you know? And yeah. so it was, it was much more fun to leave it up to the producers and the artists imagination. But it wasn't until about week 10 when I started to lean into this like professor at the, at the university of college teaching horticulture that didn't happen until like, you know, 10 weeks in, but once that happened, everything just started to click. And so, it kind of went chronological after that, but it took about seven or eight weeks of just tossing ideas out there. Some of them that didn't even make it. I mean, week one didn't make it. I mean, probably some of the early weeks didn't make it week three, week four, because again, we're kind of just feeling each other out, getting in a rhythm, seeing how's it, how's it, how it's going to work. But, you know, it was 20 weeks. And I think that like from week seven to week, you know, uh, 20 was just a well-oiled machine at that point. And that's a testament to, the, the the producers and the creativity and the talent pool and also just the, the tools that were available to us with discord as far as communication is concerned you know being able to jump on a uh, a, a, a voice channel with some of these guys and walk through the script and give them their roles and here's your character and here's how we're going to play it and it was it was directing in a way but for the most part i have to give a lot of credit to the artists i never had to go back on some of these guys and what they wrote and said, I like this, can you do this again? Everybody nailed it. And so wow. it was just a very special, special project all the way around, but we completely made it up as we went along. That's just amazing, man. Honestly, I just, it's, it's, um, I'm looking at the track list right now. I had a chance to spin it yesterday and I spun it again. Mm -hmm. I love, I, I'm a big story guy. Like I mm -hmm. love hearing a narrative in music. I love the idea of, of, of having that as a long-term story, but tell me more about the submission process. Cause it looks like there's a handful of guys that you worked with here who were guests features on the record but as far as like the instrumentals and thing i know friend of the show rob devious was on there as well and doing the intro um but tell me a little bit more about some of the other folks that you worked with what was the submission process like was it an overwhelming experience or were you able to once you sort of had the idea in your head around week seven it's like okay well now i know what the sound i'm looking for is um a little bit of both so i think you know for those that aren't familiar with the structure of it it was wednesdays we would release acapellas and then Sundays, you would drop it in a submission channel. And so then after two hours, I guess from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., then that submission channel would lock. And then at one o'clock, we'd go on Twitch and go through it all together. Now, what's really cool is that, and also just the server in general, is we have about maybe between 800 to 1,000 members. So there's kind of people just that are there. And genuinely active and working, we have about 25 producers, I would say. And so that's just enough. That's about like a two hour stream to go through everybody's, give them genuine feedback, you know, and to your point, overwhelming. I mean, if you're getting 50, 100 submissions, that's a completely different beast. So it was actually the perfect amount of submissions and the perfect amount of producers for me to give them one on one feedback on what I was looking for. And I think over time, people started to pick up on what was happening. But even still, we're, we were so shocked about how it turned out. Like as far as sonically, it's it seemed it's still pretty cohesive, being a, a being a project that was created by twelve different producers. 
Um, but even though Rob made it on there, I mean, Rob just got in on the fun, right? So right. like, for those who don't know, Rob and I did Flowers on the Weekend together, a collaborative project. And, uh, you know, I was early on before I, all the pandemic and stuff, I would, I love going over to the shed and recording. And so some of the early ideas I was recording at Rob's just to have like, you know, somebody record me rather than recording myself. I enjoy the studio. I enjoy being around people. The recording process in your room can be rather lonely. But um, with that being said, Rob was just like, this is tight. And he would give his own submissions. So democratic process as it got, he earned that one. He won that one. That was not given. He just <laughs> had a great submission to kick off the tape. But with that being said, it's like nobody, I don't think anybody really was like, oh, this is the sound that we're going for. And even with me, again, I left the references at the at the door. I'm just like, we're not going to do references anymore. Just do what is in, you know, what you're what you're feeling. And, you know, we'd go through and I started to realize there's something here because there was great like lo-fi submissions. You know, there was great stuff that's just like, you know, real boom bap. But I could tell that I wanted this to be a little bit of a brighter album. Right. I wanted it to, to be something that was fun and accessible. Like, you know, I've been calling it a PG-13 movie for, you know, the past two months because that's what it feels like. It's not like this highbrow uh, inaccessible, like, you know, uh, references that people can't even catch and whatever it may be. It's something that like, I think a 13 year old could listen to and say, this is cool. I get it. I understand what's going on here. And I wanted it to be that way. You know, I wanted it to be something that was, that's fun to be a part of and, and fun to listen to. Well, you called it a rap opera, which I thought as listening to it and listening to it back again, I absolutely thought the same thing. I mean, really, the story kind of it evolves around you as the professor at the University of College with your students in a horticultural class and you teach them how to grow pot. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of the record, this police officer shows up and it's someone who couldn't grow. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like this. It's almost like a, you know, like a cops and robbers tale where he's like, I'm going to come back and exact vengeance on this guy. And, uh, you know, it was really cool, man. And listening to the you know, you talked it. Uh, what was it? Um, the guy at the end, he, you know, you can't smoke this. If someone steals it, you can't smoke it because then it's a magical world. Like, dude, it's just it's like there's so many different levels to it. And I just enjoyed it so much. And the more I listened to it and the more I was able to, like, sort of connect with it, it just became a really genuinely interesting and exciting listen. And I, I agree. I think anybody who even if they're not fans necessarily of hip hop or maybe, um, you know, some of your other music or anybody else's music, you can pick up this record and listen to it and go, wow, this is a really cool story. And I really that was my takeaway from it is that it was very much so a a, a very fun, imaginative uh, story. Uh, what's been some of the feedback that you've gotten so far on the record uh, from the people that you created it with? Oh, the people that I created it with, I mean, they're so happy and so pleased and just to be a part of a process where there's like, you know, some level of professional rollout. This is a new, a new experience for a lot of them who have ambitions to, you know, create in a professional manner. I mean, to your point earlier about like the happenstance uh, chances of proximity that allow somebody the opportunity, whether it be big pun and fat Joe or puffy and big um, that allow you to kind of start moving along that doesn't happen to everybody. You know, that's that I attribute a lot of my success. And I think a lot of people would attribute their success to luck. It's just like good graces. And so, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to put things out with, uh, with somebody that might have done this in a professional fashion before. And so, you know, to be able to be uh, in a position to, you know, show some people around and and take them through the process, teaching these kids about publishing splits, 
teaching them about, you know, mechanical royalties and, you know, uh, uh, different like contract contractual language that they should be aware of. Like all that stuff is so valuable as you go forward, because a lot of these kids, I would say, you know, some of them are my age, some of them a little bit younger, some are just starting out in their 20s. I didn't have anybody teaching me about publishing. Uh, I didn't have anybody explaining to me mechanical royalties and how it works and what happens when you take money. Um, none of those conversations were like, here's what this is. Do you still want to do this? It just kind of happened super fast. And so, you know, artist development is really important to me. And I think that the feedback from these other artists and these producers is they're very, very thankful for that. Uh, they're very thankful for having somebody that's just like patient with them. And I think it's because a lot of my experiences as well, I wish that there was somebody that was kind of patient with me. And uh, so it's just been a, a beautiful, beautiful experience from top to bottom, very rewarding, fulfilling for so many other reasons than, you know, top of the charts and stream numbers. So the feedback, super positive project, obviously not all of my listeners, I think, especially if depending on how they get it, if they don't understand that this was a, a social studies project, collaborative with people who might not go on to be professional musicians, et cetera. Um, and it came out this way, they might be like, what the heck is this? I don't understand this at all, I guess. But for the most part, I think we were able to control the narrative enough to let people know how this record was made, which to me is the most important part about the record. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to kind of touch back about the, you know, what you were saying about teaching some of these younger guys. And I know, like I said, we talked about this a little bit offline before sometime. And, you know, uh, you made a mention on, on the album. It was like a quick phrase. You were like, I'm almost 40. And I stopped. I went, holy shit. I'm 36 this year. Yeah. I didn't even like, you know, you have those moments of clarity and, and clear. You're like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm this old. And yeah. I mean, we're kind of like in, in, in some sense, we're, we're the elder statesmen in some regards, you know, you, so you, you've done this already, you know, you've yeah. been at the top of the charts, you've done the indie stuff, you've been with deaf, you know, you, you're like, you've done everything. And to be able to sort of impart this knowledge on folks that maybe wouldn't have had the ability to have this initially, how, how does that make you feel to be able to take someone and say, Hey, listen, this is how it works. This is what you need to look out for. Cause I, I know we both know guys who have got caught up in stuff like that where they don't necessarily read the fine print or they don't understand the complexities of how a record contract works. I know a guy who lost his his rap name, you know, his, yeah. his moniker because of a contract that he signed and he wasn't able to use it afterwards. And sure. how did it make you feel um, sort of as the quote unquote elder statesman now to be able to walk people through in the way that you would have wanted to? It's a gnarly business, man. I mean, some would say it's not even a business, you know. So for me, it, it just feels like a responsibility. It feels like what you're supposed to be doing, especially as you get all older and like, you know, a pillar of hip hop is knowledge of self and, you know, keeping that uh, that's important to me, you know, keeping that around, keeping those conversations going about how important it is to take care of yourself, take care of those around you, take care of your community. Um, you know, it just feels like a responsibility. And again, uh, you know, in the creation of Greenhouse Effect Volume 3, there wasn't really any inspiration around let me rap over familiar beats about how great I am. You know, right. it just didn't feel like that was the most productive thing to do uh, where I am in my life. Uh, and, you know, just mentally, emotionally, physically, it just felt like the only thing to do was start reaching out to other people, start passing along, sharing some of my stories, sharing my experiences. You know, a lot of us, when we talk about, you know, wisdom and knowledge and things of that nature is learning from other people's mistakes. And so like, I'm, very pleased with where I am in my career as far as what I represent. Now, obviously, perspective is a real thing, but to people who know who I am are semi interested in where this all went for the last 10 to 12 years, 
uh, I feel like I've stayed, I've been honest with myself and stayed true to what my belly has been saying. And I think ultimately uh, the scene looks at me and says, well, he's not lying, right? And so with that being said, it, it puts me in a space where I can talk to people, people younger than I am, whoever it may be, and at least they're gonna know that I'm not lying to them, you know? And so it's been nice for to have a voice that, you know, I would hope has some integrity behind it. And people, so people believe me when I speak and believe me when I tell them these things that I'm not trying to manipulate them or steer them wrong. They trust me. I think that relationship, um, just not only with your audience, but with the people in your life, you know, your, your, whether it be your partner or your parents or your, your siblings or whoever it may be, you know, being honest with yourself, being honest with them is such a, an important part to communication and in a relationship. And I feel like I have that with my audience. And that's just, to me, it's just being responsible, you know, for the words that come out of your mouth. Yeah. And I know we that's a topic we talk about often is is your authenticity. I think that's something that early on, you know, even from Asleep at the Bread Isle, I think that was something that was uh, a very clear with you, a very clear line. Like, no, I want to be myself. I want to be this authentic individual and I want to st- uh, speak from a place not just of knowledge, but of truth. And I think yeah. you've really been able to craft that over the course of the years. And, and I think that really shines not just in this project, but in also in Flowers on the Weekend and Retro Hash and all everything else you've produced over the past 10 years. I mean, it's just it's it's really been it's been incredible to see someone take an opportunity and turn it into their life's mission and their life's goal, live out that reality. And I'm just, I'm always impressed when I talk to you, man. Like it's just incredible to see that happen in real time for you. And, uh, I'm just excited to, you know, to talk about anything you have going on, but I do want to talk about, I want to give a little bit of love to the folks that have worked on the record, um, Mm -hmm. about Marcus Smith and, and some Mm -hmm. of the other folks that, that gave verses for this record. Tell me Mm -hmm. more about the collaborative folks that you wrapped with on the record and then talk about some of the producers that you ended up um, working with. So that I think getting other artists and other rappers involved was the hardest part, you know, only because it's not that like rap. Yeah, rap is competitive, but also it's like, you know, a guilty by association. Right. So if you're on a, on a track and you're rapping with somebody who maybe is not up to par or maybe doing it for the wrong reasons or whatever it may be. But if you put your arm around that person, you know, guilty by association. So for me, it was important that these other artists, you know, I wasn't just doing them a favor or giving them a handout. They had to really earn it. And so Marcus, Cody Will, Bluff, um, uh, A to Z, Charlie, that, he was one somebody that really, really impressed me. And just like people who took the role, the mission, because these are kind of challenges that we put in Discord, trying to get other artists involved without just being like, yo, here's a, here's a beat, rap, put a verse on it. Once we had the narrative, it was like, okay, I need somebody who is impatient and doesn't want to grow pot and wants, is all about like, consumerism and buying things and instant gratification, all of those things. And when I put that challenge out, Marcus sent his verse back in like two hours and was like, dude, I'm right there because he was kind of like a caged line. He was trying to figure out a way, how can I get on this tape as a rapper? Uh, Because everything early on was catered, the challenges were kind of catered to producers. Um, And so like him, and then, you know, Charlie would be uh, dropping things off, but he, and he had this such like this, like, nefarious voice you know and like he was like kind of like um you know very villainy and so once i realized that he wanted to be there and he was showing up every week i had him reach out to cody who was kind of doing the same thing he was calling it his calisthenics where he was dropping off verses every like 
you know, two, you know, every two or three days. And as someone who's observing behavior in a way, you witness that these kids want it, you know, they're showing up every week. I mean, and those are the people you want to reward in a way. And so I had Charlie reach out to, to Cody and say, yo, partner with this dude. And I want you guys to, you know, create a, a scene where you are breaking into the greenhouse to steal it. And you guys are plotting. It. And like, I'm telling you, man, that verse that they sent back, that was their first take. They just said, here, it's, it didn't take me going on. Okay, this is cool, but let's edit this out. Everybody bodied it. Same wow. thing with the challenge with uh, Learn to Grow. Probably my favorite tape and like a moment in the tape where I realized, whoa, this is pretty special, was I put out a challenge and said, hey, I want you guys to get with other people. This is the first time I was bringing like, you know, making everybody have to um, participate and uh, collaborate with other people in the chat, not just me. And I was like, I want you guys to reach out to other people in the chat and create a verse around, you know, like what, what your reaction is to this class and learning to grow and all of these things. And Pow, Harbin and Tracy sent back this just like perfect conversational verse about like, Tracy being unsure, Pow recognizing the importance of, you know, nature and a, and a relationship with nature. And once I got that back, I was just like, wow, like this is like meant to be. Yeah. And so it's like we joke about it in the discord all the time is that this will never, ever get done again. And even right. if people do try to do it again, it's not going to be nearly as smooth as a process like this really, truly felt like a protected, blessed, guided a project that just had angels, you know, it just had somebody looking over it and saying, this is going to work out. And I, I would love to tell you it was really hard and really difficult and we had to fight through it, but it was so easy. Um, and yeah, and a lot of that has to do with all those artists and producers that you speak of just stepping up and, and nailing it. Foundation Radio is brought to you by The Dugout. The Dugout provides custom quality apparel at an affordable price. Modern style mixed with classic designs, you'll find retro t-shirts brought into the 21st century. Adam has several of his favorite t-shirts in rotation from the team at The Dugout, including customized Dudley Boys, Prince in the Revolution, and the Notorious B.I.G. t-shirts. Right now, if you purchase your items through their Etsy site and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll receive 15% off your entire order. That's right, 15% off your entire order. Follow them on Instagram at the dugout brand follow the link on their etsy shop and use your promo code foundation for 15 percent off your entire order the dugout custom quality apparel at an affordable price it really does feel like it feels a lot like this was just like you guys have all worked together since high school you know like it just there doesn't feel like a like a misplaced individual or a misplaced verse anywhere it all sounds so fluid and natural and it just shines through the record. And I, I agree. That was going to be one of my next questions was, uh, would there be a possibility for you to do this again in, in the future? But do you think that it would be possible as far as your creative process, right? Now that you've created something like this and you've done, you know, the major label stuff and you have this experience all over, do you think it would be possible like your creative future would be similar to this? Or do you think it was just more of a time stamp lightning in a bottle situation? I think a little bit of both. I mean, a strength of mine in talking to people is one, you know, being sensitive and an empath. And I think creative people need that to somebody who's, you know, in their shoes and has been in their shoes. And uh, so my strength in kind of understanding and communicating with artists is, is, is there. And so I think that 
maybe not necessarily a project that would be Asher Roth, you know, but I do think that artist development and helping other artists get their, you know, work on their craft and, and get their work out there is something that I'm interested in. So I don't know if that comes in the form of a record label where I'm putting out other other people's records and helping them put out their other records or, you know, guiding through it. But, you know, same thing with with uh, the business of music is a lot of the A&R uh, positions are don't exist anymore. And, you know, that that is a, a position that's like you're kind of a liaison. You're somebody that can help craft an album and, you know, you've done it for many years or whatever it may be. So you, your relationship with not just the business side of things, but your relationship with the artist is is a strong one. So um, there's kind of an element of that in my work right now, too, is like, you know, talking to these artists, talking to them about, you know, their their work, how they feel, why they're doing it, um, what brings them joy when they do it, et cetera. So I think, you know, to your question, uh, I, I think it's going to steer more towards helping other artists, you know, full on with their career, not so much bringing them into mine. Now, a quick question as a side note on this as well, because I, you know, you know me, I love talking about music and the business of anything, wrestling, m- music, whatever. I'm, I'm, sure. I love the fine granular details of everything. But why is it that the A&R positions don't exist in the way that we may be used to, right? The idea of someone working with a new artist or is there, is there a reason? Is that just from the digital explosion or is that just from a, a change inside of the industry? Yeah, I mean, I can't really speak for it because I've never worked in like the, you know, the hierarchical music business, like reporting to a president who talks to me about it. But it just seems like a cost cutting move of we don't need this anymore. I mean, it seems like the artists, you know, they're they're kind of teenagers, early 20s. Um, other people are taking on these more, you know, circular, all encompassing roles. So it just seems like something that got lost. It just feels very uh, familiar to, you know, like political budgets when they cut Mm. programs for like parks and they cut programs for um, art in general and and public education. It just looks it's like one of those things where, well, it just doesn't make us any money. It doesn't make sense in the budget. Um, But so much gets lost in regards to the um, um, the word slipping my mind right now, but the uh, intangible uh, importance of roles like that. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that so much, so many of our decisions these days are guided by finances uh, and understandably. So it's a, it's a gnarly game out here and we have to, you know, tread water. Um, But when you're dealing with art and business uh, a lot gets lost when you're just trying to like, you know, stay, stay out of the red. And I think, you know, some things cost money and the return on investment is not necessarily going to show up in the stat sheet. It's going to be something that you're like, man, this person helped me win the game. And unless you watch the game, you'll never know that happened, you know. Right. Now, it's been it's been probably over a year now since we chatted and Mm -hmm. it was at the onset of the pandemic. And I'm just curious how you're doing. How have things been for you this past year and a half? How has life changed for Asher Roth? Uh, I know that uh, it was a little, you know, it's sunflower Philly was still kind of going and things stopped for a while because of it all. So I'm just curious, how are things going with you, man, overall in general? I can't complain, man. I mean, uh, you know, I had this amazing outlet with these kids for this, you know, six months, seven months of working on this project and Sunflower Philly is right out my front door. So, you know, we're able to, you know, have that programming and get outside and not try to do too much. 
And so I'm extremely fortunate. I'm one of the lucky ones for sure in all of this pandemic with the outlets that I had. And so just taking care of myself, um, you know, trying to stay active again, like, you know, incorporating tennis back into my routines has been really nice. So if anything, man, I think that I, I hope that other people have as well. If they're, you know, the, you know, that, that world of finances isn't like drowning them. They've taken the time to just recognize what it is that makes them happy and brings them joy and do some of the work that typically when we're just, you know, working our jobs all the time, we don't really have time to think about. And they're daunting thoughts, you know, it's just like, where's all of this going? But they're kind of necessary meditations. And so I've had the opportunity to just kind of think about where I am, my relationship with Philadelphia as a city. Um, you know, at, like we were talking about, we're in our thirties, like, you know, you know, your priorities change in your thirties, whether they are about for other people, or you just start looking ahead a little bit. I think when you're in your twenties, you're just kind of like, whatever, you know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, some people, some people, obviously very, uh, responsible adults might, uh, have taken the college experience to just go be a doctor, do 12 years of law school. And then they're, they're our age and they're just like crushing it. Right. But um, for for the for most of us, you know, we're kind of making it up as we go along. There's no real grandiose plan. And so I hope that a lot of people in the pandemic were able to sit down and think about, you know, how has it been for the last five, 10 years of my life where I've been kind of going about it with blind ambition and where do I want to take this thing? And, you know, I've been able to do that. And I'm, I'm really happy with the Greenhouse Effect Volume 3 and that creative yeah. process. And I'm really happy with what Sunflower is doing and just kind of the reputation it, it's it's starting to slowly build as far be, as far as being a place where someone can come and play their first show you know yeah yeah i know you guys just had a was it the all of uh block party right was that that just yeah. happened a couple of weeks ago right yeah the all of block party is a kind of more of a, a larger scale event that um you know is a celebration for a lot of different reasons but you know for me my focus is kind of on the little the little things uh every day that kind of make the olive block party special and so you know um thursday is our relationship with human robot and just our relationship with um with uh the neighborhood in general and our, yeah. our community and, and trash club and all of those things you know those are those are kind of the things that i, I want to give my love and attention to because you know um getting people engaged specifically in the city uh, getting people a place where they feel like they can come out because a lot of us, you know, we work all day and we're exhausted, you know? And so Sunflower Philly is kind of a cool spot where you're like, man, I'm, I'm exhausted, but let me pop outside real quick. Let me see some people. Let me say hi in a safe environment. I'm still not there yet as far as like bopping into like, you know, sweaty bars and things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, man. I'm not, I'm not there mentally, but <laughs> Sunflower is great. Yeah. There's absolutely no chance of me going to Jake's bar anytime soon. Like I, you know, we took the kids to a wrestling event here in Pittsburgh and you know, you like, they don't have the, the mass things that like Madison square garden has or right. showing your vaccine card, but man, it's like, it's just very frustrating still to go into a place and not everybody's mass. And it's like, all right, I'm just, I'm good being by myself. But one thing I, I did want to share with you though, and, and kind of tying back to what you were saying was this idea of, you know, kind of being, you know, like authentic to yourself and, and feeling like a successful individual. I know I go to work every single day. I bust my ass at the office. I come home and I'm exhausted. And one of the things that I did, I guess it was really kind of after we talked initially uh, back in May, 
was the idea you were you were you know what you had just mentioned about um, finding what you love and and being able to like hear what you said and I jumped sort of like headfirst into my photography into the film world again and like really just creating a space for me to feel creative and to feel like I'm I'm being successful and one of the things I took away and I take away from you a lot is is the fact that I am a successful guy because mm-hmm. I am utilizing my talents and I'm utilizing my skills in the way that I want to do it it's not because I want to monetize it it's not because I want notoriety it's because I want to do it and I know I'm good at it and I know that I'm creating something that's going to be long lasting and something that makes me proud as an individual so I just wanted to say thank you for that giving me that perspective in life because I I didn't have it before, you know, and it took like talking to like minded folks, you know, talking to empathetic, like just controlled individuals who who have that outlook and that that ability to sort of see past, you know, the forest and also coupled with the pandemic being stuck inside and forced to sort of deal with your own demons and deal with your own thoughts and things. And um, I guess what I'm just trying to say is thank you for giving me that perspective and allowing me to uh, create that that space and that avenue for myself. My pleasure, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that, because obviously that's on your own. And again, this is kind of what we rehashing on what we're saying is like being able to share my experiences with people and allow me to get to that space. Because for a really long time, I was being told what success looked like, you know, Um, and, you know, why I'm content, you know, I still have things that I want to do. And I'm still ambitious and certain goals that I have for sure, uh, always keeping those things. But why I'm okay is because my definition of success might be a little bit different than others. And, um, you know, I think it's important because we have so many influences in our world right now telling us what we should be striving for. So, you know, to, to hear that you said, hey, man, you know what? I've gone into my my little like work workshop and I'm starting to figure out what my own definition of success is. And that's like my relationships with my family, whatever it may be, and doing things that that I want to be doing for these specific reasons rather than validation from people you've probably never even met before, most likely. Right. Yeah. The people on Instagram that don't matter, you know, it's like yeah. it's just uh, thousands of people who could be ingesting my stuff and I'm just doing it for me. And um, I just I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with me today. Greenhouse Effect Volume 3 is out now. It's everywhere you can find it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an incredible record. It's a great story. It's a collaborative piece. It's a social studies project, which I love. Um, so what's next? I mean, how much is is there? So I know you talked about the boom bap stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. just rapping over rapper rap, rapping over records to rap. Um, is there any chance of any of that seeing the light of day from this project? Is there any material that may be sort of materialized from this that you may use down the line? Sure. I mean, again, a very efficient process. So there's not like, you know, we like we killed the animal and pretty much used everything. Um, but there is a record called all add up. That is, a is basically kind of a mantra about like all the little things that you do, all the memories that you store, like that becomes your life, you know? And so that record, I'm going to, I'm going to release that, um, in the coming weeks, you know, I'm going to, going to let Greenhouse Effect Volume 3 marinate, but then the follow-up to Greenhouse Effect Volume 3 is kind of this like all-encompassing reflective record. And then from there, you know, most likely duck back in with like Rob and start doing some writing sessions and keep it local. Um, you know, I, I do want to, I would love to get like a new publishing deal and all of these things on my side of things that like, I think would be nice to just uh, give uh, give a little polish to everything that I've been working on independently for the last nine years. And uh, other than that, man, yeah, like, you know, just for, uh, for putting myself in a position to have a sustainable career and create forever is and stay inspired by it is all I want. I mean, 
my, my heart breaks for um, Naomi Osaka, who like I'm a big fan of, and I watched her uh, play last night and lose to Leila Fernandez and, you know, a press conference. And like, I'm such a, you know, I admire her and you can tell she's like struggling with the mental aspect of the yeah. sport. And I see this a lot, you know, you, you really have to question your relationship with what you're doing. And she's like, you know, one of the most, if not the most talented, number three in the world. Right. And to watch what she's going through, I just can relate to it because you got to see, like, really re-examine your relationship with your profession and ultimately a love in your life. And so um, same thing, man, just always examining that relationship, always taking care of that relationship and getting myself into a space where it's a healthy one. So that's what you'll see me continue to do. And I'm just appreciative of you've been supporting me for a really long time, bringing me on to Foundation Radio to kind of, you know, talk about what's going on in my world and share what's going on with yours and the, the synchronicities in between the two. So thank you, man, for just listening, paying attention and support. And we need people like you, you know. Asher, I really appreciate that, man. I'm uh, a lot, like I said, longtime fan. Love the new record. Can't wait to see what else comes out. Uh, like I said, I'm going to be back in Philly in the next couple of weeks. Looking forward to coming up and linking up. Modelo's are on me um, going forward. Uh, but yeah, man, um, I'm, I'm hyped for this record. Greenhouse Effect Volume 3 is out now. Go ahead and spin it wherever you can get your records. It's everywhere. Asher Roth, thank you so much for your time. As always, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show and looking forward to having you back, man. Pleasure, Adam. Talk, to, talk soon, brother. Sounds good, man. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor. Butts Carlton, proprietor.